You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always, and welcome to today's episode. We're going to have a good one today. It's uh, I'm going to give you a warning right up front. I'll, I'll go on and give it to you. It could be a long one, as if I've never done any long ones before. <laughs> Stop it. All right, look, so today we're going to go back to basics. We're going to talk about receptacle locations in dwelling units. Uh, and remember, this is going to apply to one and one two family. It's also going to apply to the individual dwelling units of a multifamily building. Uh, we're not talking commercial because most people know that re- the receptacle placement requirements are not there in commercial with exception to things like signs and, and requirements there uh, or requirement for showroom windows and receptacles. We're talking about the spacing. Gen- that, that's specific. Okay, That's called out in plans. We're talking more about the general rules that we talk about when we're doing spacing in one and two family uh, or in uh, dwelling units of a multifamily building. Um, when we're talking about the, the old rules that we hear, six and 12 foot rule, we hear that all the time. Uh, we hear the two and four foot rule. We hear that all the time. And these are general rules, industry slang jargon that we use, uh, but they're, they're deep in history because that is basically what the code is saying without saying it so much. And so we're going to break that down a little bit today and try to talk about the basics of receptacle placement and receptacle outlet requirements. Now, I am only going to deal in the aspects of 210.50 and 210.52, okay? We're not going to venture out of that, and I'm probably not going to do all of them in 52, depending on the length of this podcast. But we're not going to go into... Uh, .60, dealing with guest rooms, guest suites, dormitories, and things like that. And and we're certainly not going to go into the meeting rooms in, in uh, Section 65. We're not going to go into anything about that, okay? So we're not getting into that. That's a separate episode because those topics um, can be uniquely different. And so when I'm explaining guest room, guest suites, uh, things like that, uh, like what you, you run into in a... Um, hotel motel application, um, that's a little different because you use some of the same concepts that are found in 210.52a, but you apply them a little differently, okay? So that has to do with at least two of the receptacles that you install uh, have to be readily accessible, but the other ones can be installed as your normal layout uh, in the room as you would normally. And Again, going to try to not talk about those today, uh, so we're going to leave those for a separate time. We're going to focus on the ones that general receptacle requirement placement rules that are in 210.52. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today in this episode. All right, then we want to start out and kind of lay the land out where we at. So if you've got your 2020 National Electrical Code, or to be honest with you, if you've got your 2017 National Electrical Code, you're not going to be totally lost. Uh, But there are some changes when it comes to island and peninsular countertops and work surface applications. So again, um, it, depending on the time that we go into this podcast, I'd like to keep it at 30 minutes. Uh, I might have to have a part one and a part two. Okay. Ultimately, if you watch part one at the end of the, we'll link you to part two within the actual, 
uh, podcast. You'll see it'll be over on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash master the NEC. And you'll be able to watch one and then simply click and go to the other and get part two. And it'll pick up from there. Okay. Uh, That's depending on how we go. All right. So let's start off. We're in part three of Article 210. We're dealing with brand circuits and we're obviously talking about the required outlets. And so 210.52 reminds us, it says, receptacle outlets, receptacle outlets shall be installed as specified in 210.52 through 210.65. Again, we're not going to do 65, okay? We're not going to do 60. We're not going to do 63, okay, which is the service receptacles uh, for uh, service equipment and things like that. We're, uh, we're not getting into that, okay? We're just not going to do that. We're going to try to stick it to 10.52. That's enough to bite off. All right, so under 210.50, we want to find out again originally some of the clarifications on what's considered a receptacle outlet or not other than what me and you know they are. So there's an A, B, and a C. Now, A is cord pendant, so that would be more like a attachment plug that's on the end of the cord that's permanently installed. Then the receptacle at the end, uh, that's a cord connector. Uh, that takes a male end into it, so that's the female end typically, and that might be on a cord pendant hanging at a certain location, uh, and that would be considered a receptacle outlet. So we're just kind of laying that out there. It's just telling you, oh, by the way, it can qualify as a receptacle outlet if that's how it's installed. Okay. All right. The next one be cord connections. So a res- number two ten dot fifty two b cord connections because the first one was cord pendant. Now it's cord connections. It says a receptacle outlet shall be installed wherever flexible cords with attachment plugs are used. Where flexible cords are permitted to to be permanently connected, receptacles shall be permitted to be omitted uh, from such cords. Okay? And then the last one is C for appliances. It says appliance receptacle outlets. It just reminds us that the appliance receptacle outlet, like what we would have for, say, a, a laundry equipment, uh, it says such as, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean it. It only applies to laundry equipment. Uh, incidentally, it also applies to ranges and whatnot. Uh, it'll say uh, 210.52c says appliances receptacle outlets. It says appliance receptacle outlets installed in a dwelling unit for specific applications such as laundry equipment. Again, it's not just laundry equipment. It uses that rule such as, which is just giving you an example for clarity. Um, We have a definition of what appliances are. Okay, standardized product, standardized produced, uh, a range, for example, is an appliance, things like that. Okay, Uh, but it is in a code for calculation purposes, there's a difference between appliances and then there's a difference you know, in ranges because it calls them out specifically. So just because I call them an appliance, um, when you get to calculations, you you know, they separate a little bit. But because of the appliance, um, there are some rules that how close that receptacle has to be if it's actually a cord and plug appliance. And it states right here that it shall be located um, within six feet of the intended location of the appliance. Okay, so wherever you're planning on putting that um, appliance, I have to have a receptacle within six feet of that location. Okay, uh, we don't want extension cords or whatever be used for appliances and whatnot. So it just makes us have to install the necessary receptacle um, if we're going to use a receptacle outlet. That it has to be installed in close proximity 
six feet or less um, to that actual appliance, okay? Ease of the cord, making those connections. And I'm going to tell you what, up in 422 for appliances, uh, you're going to find that the cord lengths can vary from a minimum to a maximum. And I'm telling you, most people are going to install that receptacle pretty pretty darn close uh, to wherever the appliance is going to be located. But again, can't be more than six feet from the intended location of that appliance. And what's the intended location? Um, well, it's going to be pretty evident when you have the everything plumbed up for the water for for a washing machine or a dryer. You know, it's it's pretty evident where the 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 vent is for the dryer, and so it doesn't take much for the inspector to come up with an intent of what's within six feet. You know what I'm saying? So put it pretty close. Just avoid any confusion. All right, so now we get into 210.52, and we're talking about dwelling unit receptacle outlets. Now, this is an important one because we have a bunch of provisions, uh, 210.52A, uh, B, C, uh, and, and all that, D, E, F. But at the very beginning, we have some real important information under the charging statement of 210.52 that I think many people overlook, and it's really going to set the tone for understanding receptacle placement if you understand what is not considered to meet that spacing requirement. So let's look at it. 210.52, the charging is dwelling unit receptacle outlets. It says, this section provides requirements for 125 volt, that's what we're dealing with, 15 and 20 ampere receptacle outlets. The receptacles required by this section, and that, did, that would be 210.52 is the section, um, shall be in addition to any receptacles that is as followed. Okay, So what we're saying here is you've got the requirements for your receptacles in this section, but they're in addition to what you might run into with the four that I'm getting ready to read you now. So you can have these four, basically to make it clear, the four that I'm going to read you here cannot be used in place of the requirements of the general rules of 210.52a general provisions, for example, uh, or B or C. So these are some additional ones. So look, number one, part of a luminaire or appliance. So I can have a receptacle that's in a luminaire, uh, very common to have nowadays, the little receptacles, they don't work real great, but they're in the actual luminaire. Or you might have a receptacle that is a part of an appliance, okay? Now, they can be there, but they're not going to meet the requirements for spacing that has to do with the remainder of 210.52a and throughout, okay? They can be there, but they're not going to meet any spacing requirements. Uh, number two says controlled by a listed wall-mounted control device in accordance with 210.70A1, exception number one, or. Uh, and so number two is basically saying, look, I can have controlled uh, wall-mounted control device listed, uh, maybe being utilized for something in 210.70A1, exception, um, and that would be probably a controlled receptacle, Okay. Uh, the controlled receptacle, uh, if you're switching the entire receptacle, uh, uh, duplex receptacle, the top and the bottom, then you're going to have a problem. If you're spacing it within six feet of the doorway, let's say, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, where you can switch the receptacle in lieu of the lighting, let's say in a bedroom, uh, if you switch the entire receptacle, then you're theoretically not going to meet the general provision for a receptacle within six feet because 
you're switching it. You could turn it off. Now, if you break the tabs on it and you switch the top, but the bottom stays hot, then you're okay. Then you meet the receptacle provision because it doesn't say it has to be a duplex within six feet, and we'll see the spacing in a minute. It just says a receptacle within six feet So, of the doorway. So there's ways around this, but you can't switch the entire receptacle and meet the intent of your general provisions that we're going to talk about in a minute. So again, we'll let you switch it in lieu of lighting, putting a luminaire in the room. Uh, but, and of course, that only applies to where you're allowed to do that in 210.70. Okay, not going to work in bathrooms, not going to work in a kitchen, but everywhere else, you know, bedrooms, you're, you're permitted to switch a receptacle. Just keep in mind that you don't want to switch the entire receptacle. Then you've got a problem with the, the rules here for the general provision. Okay, it's not that you can't switch it, just you're going to still have to have a receptacle to meet the spacing requirements, and switching it doesn't meet that. God, that was long winded. All right, the next one, 210.52.3. It says located within cabinets or cupboards. It's okay to have them in there. But once they're in there, they do not meet the spacing requirements if it's inside of a cabinet or in a cupboard. Okay? Doesn't mean you can't have them there. It just doesn't mean that it's going to meet the general provisions for spacing that we're going to talk about here in a second. So I'm just kind of laying you down there different allowances that you can have, but they're not going to meet the spacing requirements. Uh, And the last one, item number four. It says located more than five and a half feet above the floor. This is a common one that people screw up with. Can I have one, let's say, above the mantle for a TV? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can it count as the wall spacing requirement? Not if it's more than five and a half feet above the floor. If it's more than five and a half feet above the floor, then yes, I can have it there, but it's not going to meet any spacing requirements. You with me? Okay, so... And the other place that that probably comes into mind is when you get to the garage and you're required to have receptacles in, let's say you're attached garage, for example, um, under G1. Um, the one thing about that is people tend to put the, seal, the receptacle in the ceiling for the garage door opener, and it's a one receptacle uh, that's required by 210.52 G1, a receptacle. But it's above five and a half feet, so it's obviously not going to meet the requirement. Can I have one up there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, I can't put GFCI on it, in it, up there, because it'd be, you know, it's not readily accessible, and that's required in 210.8. But it's going to be GFCI protected, but it's going to, the the GFCI receptacle or breaker option is going to either be at the first receptacle down that's readily accessible, or it's going to be in the panel. Okay, Um, but just kind of throwing you out there, these are in addition to your your requirements for your spacing. Now, there is another at the end of that. It says permanently installed electric baseboard heating with factory installed receptacle outlets or outlets provided as a separate assembly sent of a separate compartment by the manufacturer shall be permitted as the required outlet or outlets for the wall spacing utilized by such permanently installed heaters. Such receptacle outlets shall not be connected to the heater load or the heater circuit. So this is an application where you have a lot of baseboard heating, uh, electric baseboard heating, and you have a separate section in the middle because the heating is so long that you couldn't meet the wall spacing requirements. And you look at an informational note, and it says they're not permitted to put the receptacle above the base electric baseboard heat. Uh, not so much stated in the code under a code rule. That's going to be under the manufacturer's 
uh, of the baseboard heater, and you have to follow the manufacturer's instructions. So that's where that comes in. This informational note's just kind of letting you know that so that you should know that requirement, uh, but that's a manufacturer requirement. All we're saying here that is if I have 12 foot of baseboard on a wall and I need a receptacle for my spacing, uh, you can buy integrated kits that actually will be in the middle of the baseboard and it has a built-in receptacle. The thing about that is, again, it's still got to be part of your brand circuit. It cannot be connected or tapped into the heating circuit. Okay, Generally, the heating is going to be a, an individual brand circuit that's just picking up the heating. Okay, so but if I need to do my spacing, you know, then they do have some options. And that's what this rule is saying is, look, we understand that. And many manufacturers with long baseboards make a integrated component for the receptacle. And it has a knockout in the back and you just wire it like you would any other thing. And it's mounted. It's permanently mounted on the wall uh, and it's uh, electric baseboard heating. Okay, so it's giving you some provisions there. Right. All right. So now we move into general provisions. Now, again, we're talking part three, article 210, brand circuits, receptacle requirements. General provision. In every kitchen, family room, dining room, living room, parlor, wish I had a parlor, library, den, sunroom, bedroom, recreation room, or similar room or area of dwelling units. Now, the or similar room or area of dwelling units is very broad. Okay, and it's done that way on purpose because we couldn't have an all-inclusive list. But I can tell you, if a room it looks like a den, walks like a den, talks like a den, it's a den, but you call it something else, the inspector is going to say it's a den, okay, or it's similar room to a den, uh, a parlor. Again, so it's very broad because there's a lot of things that could be argued that a recreation room, uh, a, a basement, for example, which is not in the list, could be argued that it is very much similar to a recreation room, or it's very much similar to a living room, okay, or a family room, okay, for these provisions. So that's generally why we get our spacing requirements generally throughout the house, okay. Not in stairways, obviously, doesn't fall here. Uh, nothing in here would be similar to, for example, a mud room. Uh, you don't have spacing requirement. You don't have the language for bathroom in here. Although the code will require at least one 20-amp brand circuit in a bathroom, uh, there's no wall spacing requirements in there, except for it has to be within three feet of the inside top edge of the basin, okay? And we're not going to cover all of that in this, this episode. Uh, well, we yeah we'll, mm, yeah, we'll get there. Maybe, maybe part two, but we'll get there. So that's different, okay? We're talking spacing general provisions, not specific like in bathrooms here. We're talking in what we just read, these general rooms in your house, okay? Now, it also goes on to say that they shall be installed in accordance with the general provisions specified in 210.52A1 through A4. Now, remember I said a mudroom. A mudroom isn't similar to any of these here in this list. So that's typically why you don't have mudroom requirements for that application. You just... You know, throwing that out there because people ask those type of questions all the time. So I want to just kind of throw that out there. All right. So um, unfortunately, sometimes on drawings, you can get uh, engineers or designers, even though you don't get them for residential too often, uh, can label rooms um, pretty wildly. And most of the time, an inspector is looking at it going, well, I can't, this is what they call it. This is what they call it. 
Um, and a lot of times, majority of the time, they're not labeled, so the inspector has to make a determination if it's similar uh, to any of the others that are being referenced here. Same intended use. Okay, so now let's go. It says got to be um, meet the provisions of A1 through A4 of 210.52. Well, so what is A1? That's our spacing. So this is our general spacing. So it says receptacles shall be installed such that at no point measured horizontally along the floor line of any wall space is more than six feet from a receptacle outlet. Okay, so that brings us to the first uh, old saying, rule of thumb, the six and 12 foot rule. What, and people go looking for that in the code and they get confused. So it tells you at no point along the floor line can you be more than six feet from a receptacle. So let's use a little logic. If I have a receptacle and the next receptacle is 12 feet away, if I put a receptacle directly in the middle, isn't it within six feet of the one on the left? Yes. Isn't it within six feet of the one on the right? Yes. So if you have an exam question, uh, just keep all that, that in mind of what the, the, the layout is. Right now, if they're 12 feet apart and I put one three feet from the other, then I'm violating this because I'm not within six feet of the other one. Okay, so it's all about the spacing. So that's why people go six and 12, six and 12, six and 12. Uh, spec houses are notorious for spacing them out and then they get looking weird on the wall, like over in a corner, because they're maximizing their distance between receptacles. Okay, um, when that happens, I, you know what, they, they hardly cost anything. Um, I be honest with you, my my uh, bids that I used to have uh, because I I knew that we were doing something for somebody. I had a little clause in there that said that if the layout came out a certain way that and I can't remember the wording I used, but I would say that I reserve the right to add an additional receptacle, and I had a limit I think up to ten additional receptacles that could be added in a dwelling in order to facilitate uh, a more convenient spacing for the user. Um, and so they agreed that if I did that, it wasn't a change order requirement that I could charge in order to add the additional. So they knew up front uh, that it would be. And when you added up the link, the cost, the receptacle, I can't remember, but I think it wasn't any more than additional uh, $25 per receptacle. Uh, and that was generally uh, how we would do it. It covered the wire. It wasn't trying to make a profit on it. It was just to be able to facilitate a much more common sense layout. Again, you're doing it for money or you're doing it because you want to do it right. Uh, we, we always wanted to do it right. Money was uh, important, but again, it was our reputation and, and we didn't want anybody looking at it saying, well, this is stupid. Okay, You can be different. That's fine. I'm just telling you my way. You don't have to agree with me. Anyway, so that's your 6 and 12 foot rule just at any point, And that's why we say 6 feet, 6 feet from door openings. Uh, for example, and we'll look at all those here in a second, door openings, fireplaces and whatnot, fixed cabinets, but that's where the six and 12 foot came from. Okay. Uh, because if you did six and 12, you're not going to be a receptacle is not going to be more than six feet from any receptacle. If you follow that general spacing rule. So then that takes us to a two, which is the wall space. So we know our spacing, but what qualifies as wall space? I mean, we have to know that. So it says as used in this section, Again, which this section is dot fifty two, a wall space shall include the following: any space two feet or more in width, including space measured around corners. So if I have, if I'm laying it out, I got to go around the corners. Okay, uh, if I have a column that's in the middle of the room and I measure around that, and it the space is more than two feet, then I'm going to have to have a receptacle in that column. Okay, 
All right. So again, that that's going to clarify other people's questions about that as well. So it says, any space two feet or more in width, including measuring around corners and unbroken along the floor line by doorways or similar openings, fireplaces, and fixed cabinets that do not have countertops or similar work surfaces. Okay, so it's not that low boy cabinet that I put a TV on, okay, but it's got a countertop to me to put that stuff on. Then that's that's different, okay? That's going to be wall space. That's not going to qualify. But I have a cabinet that's fixed, that's either uh, in place and it's trimmed around or it's built into the building system, okay? It's, it's professionally framed in uh, and finished off. Then you can treat that as an opening, if you will, and you stop your measurement at the edge of it, okay? And you measure from the edge and make sure the receptacle within six feet, okay? So that's kind of like a break in the floor line, right? Uh, the next one, it says, the space occupied by fixed panels in walls excluding sliding panels. A great example of this is as you're measuring around the room and you come to a set of sliding doors. The fixed portion, okay, is going to be considered wall space. So the sliding portion is not. So you make your take your measurement from the point where it is fixed and then you measure back and of course you'll have a certain amount of either glass or whatnot and then you'll get to the wall and usually what that's going to mean is you're going to have probably a receptacle within two and a half or three feet of the edge of the wall because you got to count the fixed glass as well as the actual wall and you can't go more than six feet, okay? So that's what it's talking about and that's considered wall space. And because it's considered wall space, the rule in 210.52A1 says that I can't have a receptacle more than six feet, okay, at any point. So by virtue of that, you're going to have to have the receptacle within the edge of that fixed panel. And item three says, a space afforded by fixed room dividers such as freestanding bar-type counters or rails. Okay, so this one gets asked a lot. Um, If I have a room divider, or what qualifies as a room divider, and it's going to be in a way that it's actually separating two rooms, say kitchen from a dining room, uh, that type of thing, um, or railings, uh, as you're coming up a steps and you have railings and you're thinking, well, they're open railings, they don't count. They absolutely do count as wall space. And it might mean that you had to put a floor receptacle in, which is what we're going to cover next, but you do count that as wall space. Okay. So it could mean that you have a fixed divider that's separating, let's say the kitchen from the dining room. It's right there at the dining room. That's what requires your receptacle to be on the front face, the portion that's facing the dining room, uh, to have a receptacle in that cabinet, okay? Uh, and you're saying, well, it's in that cabinet. Uh, is that going to meet the island requirement, okay? Well, the island has a requirement to serve the top of the island requirement, okay? And we'll get into those requirements in a minute, but that's where you see people who have the receptacles that are down low, on the back of that divider, and they're serving a different purpose. They're serving the dining room. Now, good news is that could still be on a small appliance brand circuit because the code allows that, and we'll see that in a minute, what can be on it, what can't. Um, But at the end of the day, it's still a receptacle spacing requirement, and it has to be there, okay, if you have that fixed room divider, okay? And if you have, again, uh, railings, uh, even though they're open railings, that leads us into the next one. 
and that is 210.52A3, floor receptacles. So let's say I'm going around this wall, and I need to have a receptacle, and we'll use the example of the railing. It says floor receptacle. Receptacle outlets in or on the floor shall not be counted as part of the required number of receptacles outlets unless it's located within 18 inches of the wall. Okay, so if it's an if it's a receptacle that's stuck out in the middle of the floor to facilitate a sofa with a, a lamp or whatnot, it's fine to have it. You can have it. It's not a problem. But it is not going to, and generally that one's usually controlled by a light switch or something, so that would fall under 210.52.2 uh, that we talked about. You can have it, but it's not going to meet the wall spacing requirement. In order to use a floor receptacle to meet the wall space requirement, it has to be installed within within 18 inches of the wall. So now, the question always comes, if I have a, a, a where would that come into play? Well, what if I have a room uh, that... Um, I just can't get the receptacles spacing. Uh, something's in the way, and I end up having to put the receptacle out of the floor because I need to have one on that wall. Uh, then I put it in the floor within 18 inches, and I'm meeting that wall space requirement, and that's when you would utilize that. Now, again, you can have other floor receptacles wherever you would like, to any number you would like, uh, but this is only if you're going to use that floor receptacle to meet your wall spacing requirements uh, then that's your general provisions. As long as you have that, then you can comply with the rule. Uh, the next one is item four, and it says countertop and similar work surface receptacle outlets. It says receptacles installed for countertop and similar work surfaces as specified in 210.52C, which incidentally, C, we're going to talk about shortly, that's dealing with countertops and work surfaces in kitchens, pantry, breakfast rooms, dining rooms, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's, it's reminding us, it says it shall not be considered as the receptacle outlets required by 210.52A. So what is that telling me? That's telling me that I can have receptacles that are serving the countertop, serving the workspaces, but they are not to take the place of the spacing requirements. So how do I relay this to you to make it easier to understand? Let's think about a kitchen. You have your countertop requirements under 210.52C that we're going to be working with, but then you have your regular walls. So the regular walls still conform to the normal spacing requirement, okay? Doorways separate the wall line. You measure around the wall. At no point can you be more than six feet from a receptacle. That still applies. Once you get onto the countertop, 210.52C takes over, and that has different rules. So here it's just making it very clear that there's a separation and that you have a spacing requirement that's a general provision, and then you have your provisions for the countertop and work surface requirements that are in 210.52C. You with me? Two separate things, okay? And you treat them that way, okay? Uh, and it just goes to remind you that the countertop one cannot serve to meet the wall spacing requirement, even though they might have this little space between the counter and the door, and it's more than, it's, it's, say it's 26 inches, and you're thinking, God, but this receptacle on the counter is within six feet of that door. I'm done. Absolutely not. You still have to have the receptacle that is down below five and a half feet that is going to be in that space because that wall space is two feet or more. Are you with me? They're all going to be required. Okay. All right, so now let's move on 
two, and I'm at 31 minutes, so I'm going to go a little bit longer, and then we'll do uh, we'll do a part two because I want to break it down. So let's move into small appliances. Uh, we're talking 210.52B, small appliances. Now, in small appliances, we only have three subdivisions here. We've got a one, a two, and a three. The first one is receptacle outlets served. We have a two is no other outlets. This reminds us what can't be on a small appliance brand circuit. Uh, uh, and then we got three, which is kitchen receptacle requirements. And we'll read all each one of these and get an understanding. Number one, receptacle outlets served. It says, in the kitchen, the pantry, breakfast room, dining room, or similar area of a dwelling unit. Again, similar area, but one of the rooms that are used that is very much similar to one of these classifications of room, kitchen, pantry, break room, uh, excuse me, breakfast room, uh, dining room, okay? Um, If it's similar to that, and and again, who makes that judgment, but if it's determined it's similar, uh, then it says the two or more Small uh, 20 amp small appliance brand circuits required by 210.11c1. Again, 210.11c1 tells us that you have to have a minimum of two. You can have more than two, but you have to have a minimum of two. It says shall serve all wall and floor receptacle outlets covered um, in 210.52a. So bear with me here. What we're talking about is the branch circuits can supply the countertop and supply the wall spacing requirement. However, that's just to supply the branch circuit. The spacing requirement is separate. But once you determine that you're going to use 210.52A for the spacing requirement in the kitchen, and then you determine what you need for 210.52C for the receptacles for the countertops and islands and peninsulars requirements, that's fine. However, this is saying, well, we're coming about the the receptacles that you're serving the branch circuit to, they're going to be all supplied by the two or more 20-amp branch circuits. Okay, So don't confuse the two. One has to do with spacing. This one has to do with, okay, you're going to have the small appliance branch circuits. You have to have a minimum of two. You can have more than two. How are these receptacles that are covered in 210.52 as well, uh, A as well as 210.52C, how are they supplied? How are the branch circuits supplying? Well, they're going to be pl- supplied by those a minimum of two small appliance branch circuits. Okay, you with me? All right, so let's read it a little bit further here. Again, we're talking small appliance branch circuits, and they do supply the wall and the countertop uh, receptacles, and they're also going to do the, the floor as well. Okay. Now, here's where it comes into this interesting one, and I, th- you know, I talk about it in many other things. People ask about, because we already know now that the branch circuits, the two small appliance branch circuits that are mandated by 21011C1, that are going to cover or going to provide power now to the receptacles on the walls that are, that are, that are covered by 21052A, and they're going to supply the power to the countertop ones in 21052C. We got that. But also there's something else that's interesting that says those two small appliance brand circuits, the last line in that 210.52B1 says, and, quote, receptacle outlets for refrigerator, refrigeration equipment. So when people ask me about putting the refrigerator on the small appliance brand circuit, and they freak out and they go, oh, you can't do that. They go, you can't do that. It's got to have its own circuit. Um and then, of course, they'll go into this diatribe about the brand circuit and the loads and how much it pulls. I get you. I understand. 
But here it's telling me specifically that I put that refrigeration equipment on the small appliance brand circuit. Good news is we have exceptions to meet what you're doing currently. And the exception says, in addition, uh, well, I should read, I got to read both of them, but we have two exceptions now to this rule. And the second one deals with the refrigerator or refrigeration thing. Um, But let's read the first exception. The first exception says, in addition to the required receptacles specified by 210.52, switched receptacles supplied from a general purpose 15 or 20 ampere branch circuit are required as required in 210.70A1, exception number one, shall be permitted. Okay, so what are we talking about? All right, so what this is actually telling you is that, remember that exception that says that I can switch a receptacle uh, for going around the wall or something like that, or, or for the lighting? It says, look, I can switch a receptacle uh, for that under that exception, and that's gonna, that's permitted. It's not required. It's permitted to do that uh, in that application. I can do so. But you have to remember under the exception, uh, it states really clear. It says, in other than kitchens and bathrooms, one or more receptacle controlled by a listed wall-mounted control device shall be permitted in lieu of lighting outlets. Again, it says, in other than kitchens and bathrooms. Okay, So it's going to, though, allow you to still uh, switch a receptacle uh, in these applications under this exception. Okay, so kitchens, it's not going to happen. But remember, we still have pantry, breakfast room, dining room. So we still have some ap- ap- applications here where we could do a switched receptacle in lieu of. Just remember what I said earlier. Um, if you switch the entire receptacle and you're meeting a wall spacing requirement in 210.52a, then that's going to be a problem because then you can lose the fact that it's a receptacle is not within six feet. It has to be a receptacle within six feet of the opening, not a switched receptacle. Okay, just keep that in mind, and you can agree to disagree if you don't agree with that. Uh, I can tell you the consensus is that's the way it's going to roll. Now there is an exception number two, and now that deals with the refrigeration equipment, but it used to apply only to refrigeration equipment. Now it's kind of broad. In 2017, it opened it up because we're very common from doing this. Exception number two says, in addition to the required receptacle specified in 210.52, a receptacle outlet to serve a specific appliance shall be permitted to be supplied from an individual branch circuit rated 15 amperes or greater. So this is a common practice that we've already Done is this allows me to bring in an individual branch circuit, for example, and I just use the obvious elephant in the room is a refrigerator. This would allow me to be able to say, well, typically the rule is that it's supplied and connected to the 20 amp small appliance branch circuit. But this exception says that, well, if I want to bring a 15 amp individual branch circuit to that refrigerator, I can do that. Now, what I disagree with many people's application is they'll put a duplex receptacle in there. Uh, and, I, you know, again, it's probably behind the refrigerator anyway. Uh, but I think the rule for an individual brand circuit, uh, it would be that you would, uh, the code says, a receptacle outlet to serve a, it doesn't say receptacle outlets. Uh, and a duplex is more than one. Some people would disagree with me on that, but I'm going to tell you that's my interpretation of it, and I'm going to stick with it. You don't like it? Tough, tough, tough. 
um, is what it is. And um, you're going to put a single there. So the only intended purpose to plug into that is that refrigerator. That's what you're going to do. And it's on a 15-amp circuit. And this is what allows you to do that. Okay? You can agree to disagree, but that's the way I read it. And if you look at the semantics of the actual wording, it is a receptacle outlet. Okay? Not receptacle outlets. All right? Now, the next thing would be, let's move on to item number two, which is no other outlets. So remember, we're talking about the small appliance, the minimum of two small appliance brand circuits that are mandated by 210.11C1. And we've established that the walls inside of the kitchen, are the wall receptacles are supplied by the same small appliance brand circuits. And the countertop receptacles are supplied by the same small appliance brand circuits. Again, two or more. Can have more than two. Uh, calculation tip. If you're doing a load calculation and you have two small appliance brand circuits, it's 1,500 VA a piece. If you have three, then it would be 4,500. If you have two, it'd be 3,000. It's 1,500 each. Now, just because two is the minimum uh, that you have to have, it, you have a large house. I used to do houses that were you know, $8 million houses, $10 million houses. Um, I didn't do enough of them. Otherwise, uh, I'd probably still be doing them. But... When you do those custom homes, I might have as many as four or five small appliance brand circuits. So when I do the calculation, I have to take into account all of those small appliance brand circuits. I don't just put fifteen hundred, two thousand, or, or three thousand for two of them and walk away. I've got to put down in my calculation exactly how many I have. Okay. If you don't know how to do that, go watch our video. We do a video that was a live stream on one family dwellings, two family dwellings, uh, and using optional and standard methods, and, and I show you how to do all that. Okay, so let's get back to where we're at. So no other outlets. What does that mean? It says the two or more small appliance brand circuits specified in 210.52B1 shall have no other outlets, period. Okay, no other outlets at all. All right, exception. There's two exceptions to that rule. The first exception, in other words, uh, if you're supplying the receptacles and you're running them around and, and you're doing the installation, they only can supply the small appliance brand circuit as defined, and that is the receptacles around the counter, uh, the receptacles around the room. Uh, that is specific. No other outlet also means that they cannot jump up and supply lighting outlets. That's why they say it this way. Okay, you couldn't. You, know, you have different types of outlets: receptacle outlet, lighting outlet, uh, and so in this case, when it says no other outlet, it means no other outlet. Period. Okay, not just receptacle outlets. Okay, other than those that are to meet the the wall spacing and to meet the counter spacing rules. Okay, now there's two exceptions. The first exception is, and I don't see this anymore. Uh, be honest with you, I haven't seen it for 30 years. It says exception number one. To supplying other outlets, it says a receptacle installed solely uh, for the electric supply to and support of an electric clock in any of the rooms specified in 210.52B1, which is, again, kitchen, pantry, break room, dining room, whatnot. Okay, so they make a specific type of receptacle that's used for an electric clock, or you could theoretically... Nobody has it anymore, but if you have a plug-in electric clock and you want to put a receptacle, a single receptacle up, uh, and usually they're recessed receptacles, and you mount the, the light on it, I mean the light, the clock on it, then you're okay. That can be on the small appliance, but that's an exception, okay? And nobody does that anymore, 
I've never, I've not seen anybody do that in, in three decades, right? And it's an exception number two. Doesn't mean they can't. It just, I mean, the code still has it. Somebody makes it, you can do it. Exception number two to the no other outlet rule. It says receptacles installed to provide power for supplemental equipment and lighting on gas-fired ranges, ovens, and counter-mounted cooking units. So we've had gas-mounted, you have an igniter. So in many cases where you have the gas range, for example, it doesn't pull anything. It's very little. It's just for the igniter to spark it. Um, It usually is down behind the actual range, and it has a plug on it, and it'll plug into it. pulls hardly nothing. But if that's the case, you're allowed to... to, uh, supply that off of one of your small appliance brand circuits. That's fine, but that's the only use it can be for. Okay, if you leave it up high, so it's you know kind of just can get to it and plug anything into it, um, then people would argue that that's just another receptacle serving the countertop. What's the big deal? Okay, it just just happens to be conveniently where you need it to be. Um, but if you drop it down specifically for um, a gas-fired range or oven or whatever, uh, then that can be supplied from the small appliance brand circuit. Okay. Uh, item number three is kitchen receptacle requirements. Okay. And we're going to end up on this one and we'll pick up in part two on C, but let's finish this one out. It says receptacles installed in a kitchen to serve countertop services shall be supplied by not fewer then two small appliance brand circuits, so we know we have to have a minimum of two, uh, and either or both of which shall also be permitted to supply receptacle outlets in the same kitchen and in other rooms that are specified in 210.52b1. So what does that mean? That's where you see somebody do one of the brands, small appliance brand circuits, does the recept, uh, receptacles on the wall in the kitchen, and might hit one or two receptacles on the countertop, but also ends up going out and picks up the dining room. That's perfectly fine. There's people that think that you have to have a separate small appliance for the dining room. Many, many, many years ago when people used to do formal dining and there was a lot of loads that were being cooked plates and everything in the dining room, yep, might have been a bigger issue. Today, not so much of an issue. But because of the diversity of the use, you're not using countertops when you're using the dining room and all this type of thing, they're allowed to be on the dining room circuit. Now, when we tell people uh, on the kitchen circuit, when we tell people that they can have more than two, literally most people will install a separate branch circuit to the dining room. Dining room gets very little use. I know that my dining room in my house absolutely never uses the receptacles. Okay, so it's perfectly fine if you want to pick up the dining room as well okay um it also goes on to say additional small appliance bread and circuits shall be permitted to supply receptacle outlets in the kitchen and other rooms specified in 210.52b1 so again i can have more than two i can have three i can have four i can have a separate one to the dining a separate one to the pantry if i want uh another interesting thing about the code when it comes to dwelling units it does not tell you the maximum number of receptacles that you can have on any brand circuit. You're trying to keep all the circuits balanced, uh, but it doesn't give you a number. When we do commercial wiring, we, we get a number, okay? 180 VA per strap, okay? Whether it's a single receptacle or duplex, it's one strap. So it's 180 VA per strap. And we do some work there to determine the size of the branch circuits and that's necessary for the number of receptacles. We don't do that in residential, Okay. There's so much diversity, and you're never using all the receptacles 
at the same time. Whereas in a commercial application, you literally could have everybody that works there plugging into the circuit. So there, there is diversity that's taken into account in a residential application. And it goes on to finish this one up and says, no small appliance brand circuit shall serve more than one kitchen. Okay, so a kitchen is defined. Okay, so what is more than one kitchen? Well, if I have one kitchen, uh, then that small appliance brand circuit uh, feeds that kitchen and it can't leave that kitchen and supply another kitchen. Now, I don't know many people that have more than one kitchen in their house, but I have wired some some um, real expensive homes that I can be honest with you. If you look at the definition in Article 100 of kitchen, and I will look at that and read it to you, you might see that you have multiple kitchens. Well, if that's the case, you have to run separate small appliance brand circuits to that kitchen. You can't jump and hop over to another one like you can, for example, in the bathroom circuit under certain conditions, okay? So if you look at the definition of kitchen, and you would think by now everybody understands what that definition is, but we want to look at it in more detail. So a kitchen is defined as an area with a sink and permanent provisions for food preparation and cooking. So we're looking at a sink, we're looking at a prep table, a counter, uh, and we have to have cooking. A microwave plugged into a receptacle is not permanent provisions. Um, A room that has a receptacle that's installed, say, 50 amp for a range, and even though the range is not there, that is still permanent provisions for cooking. Whether the range is there or not, it's still provisions for that. So um, careful on how you run that. But the easy rule about this is it doesn't matter if you have two kitchens or you're, you're lucky enough to, to actually have two kitchens. Then you just run your separate branch circuits to each kitchen and, and treat them independently as kitchens. Okay, This rule is only talking about going from one and jumping to another. Those small appliance circuits are using in one cannot jump over to supply another. Okay. All right. So then we're going to stop that at right here for the, that's part one of uh, 210.52 and pick us up in part two where we'll go into even more detail and kind of cover the islands, peninsulas and, and, and all that good stuff and try to round this out in part two. So thanks for listening. God bless. And uh, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy.